Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers, a podcast dedicated to those who have left religion behind and are now seeking to rebuild their lives through self-exploration, play, and spirituality. I, your host, Christina Carlson, am an embodiment and intuition coach. I work with bitches, witches, and queers to discover their own worth and value and learn how to trust themselves to create the lives they want. I am an experimenter by nature, so this podcast, like my life, is an offering in flux. What you find here will be diverse and, hopefully, interesting. One thing you can know for sure is that we will get good and curious here. Welcome. Hi! Hi! I'm going to try to tag you in this. Okay, see if that works. Uh... Does anyone know how to do that? Y'all are about to watch us figure this out as we go. There's no people thing. Um, oh, invite, invite to join. But you're right here. Oh, yeah. You want to join? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do this. Maybe if you... <laughs> also, you're welcome for just like... <laughs> me and my ass yeah, in the so, air. <laughs> so, so we wanted to let you... Uh, Watch us record live. And this, this is what is, we do. This is legit what it's like. Um, okay. I think you just click on me. I just click on you. Live. This is what we do. Audrey Avery joined. That's me. Okay. Um, okay. I think you just click on me. I'm going wave at you. I just click on you. <laughs> live. Christy, no wave to you. <laughs> Excellent. Um, how do I? I'm going wave at you. Request to be in this live video. Oh my god, wait, are you gonna be like right here? <laughs> no, I don't like, want to do that. It's gonna be echoey and weird. It's gonna be very Request echoey and weird. Nope. Okay, we'll just. I think we're just gonna. We're just, we're just gonna just do it this way. Hi. <laughs> Hi, friends. What did that say? Oh, you were unable to join. I was unable to join. <laughs> Not well, technically unable, just. Technical te- technical <laughs> difficulties wise, let's not. Is it like because we're millennials? Probably. <laughs> I think most of it is because most of everything gestures is like, because we're millennials. Because we're millennials, yeah. Is that what we're blaming everything on? Yes. Yeah. Well, listen. Like we've spent our entire lives having our asses blamed for everything. We might as well like Own use that to our advantage when it fits. Yeah. So if something doesn't work, we're just like yeah. It's because we're millennials. Because we're millennials. <laughs> Nobody can expect anything different from us. Because <laughs> y'all decided decades ago that we are shit trash. <laughs> Might as well just own it. Oh, well, anyway, welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining Hi, us for a live uh, recording. We're uh, going to be leaning back and yes. moving a lot because that's generally what Yes, we there do will almost certainly be a point where one or both of us will have, like, our feet on the couch. So, I, I don't know. We're yeah. we're queer, <laughs> so we like sit with proper. So we sit queer etiquette. <laughs> we sit we sit funny. <laughs> Thanks to the internet, we know this. I yes. just thought that was how people sat. Yes, I just never paid attention to how other people sat. I no, think. yeah, no. I think yeah. about this all the time because, like, I mean, I guess it's a queer thing. I will. Do okay. we like sit funny? So, so the reason that I realized this, or like I heard about this for the first time, was because Jamie Lee Finch said, like, she's like. I'm queer, and that's why I can't sit straight on chairs or something like that. And I was like, I love that you remembered like where you heard that the first time. Yeah, I've been sitting weird my entire life. I think TikTok. I think it wasn't until I had TikTok that and started like exploring like queer content creators. Um, That was the first time that like people started talking about the sitting funny thing as being an exclusively neurodivergent or like bisexual thing. Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. So like, <laughs> I, I also heard that it was like an enneagram thing too because um yeah if there's like someone who actually like says I'm like looking. <laughs> we hi have friends. to we have to like hello lean, hi <laughs> lean in just gonna like get real close here. <laughs> no, but there was like this video that was like if you're an enneagram four like you're gonna like come into the interview and just like immediately put your <laughs> and I was just like. Fuck, I've been seen. And like the only other like the other one was like if you're in an Enneagram five, you might ask first. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, huh. My four with a five wing, like, I resonate with both of those. Yeah. Yeah. I've the rule follower in of me would want to ask. But like the four in me that doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I never knew I should care. What do you think the statistics are on fours being queer? Oh god. Probably really high. I think really high because I mean because we have like such an attachment to like I think fives are very commonly neurodivergent, which also has a lot of queer overlap. And I think four is like our commitment to fully understanding and unpacking our identity Hmm. and our capacity for nuance. Yeah. I I think the stats on fours being queer is probably astronomical. Yeah, makes we should, sense we should make up some stats because anybody, honestly, we don't know. So anybody have a thought? Feel if it? you know mm-hmm. stats or actually know the enneagram, like because <laughs> we're, we we're not experts. No, we like to conjecture. <laughs> yes, about pretty much anything and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So I wanted to uh, reshare a story I was talking to you about earlier, which is mm, the, yeah, yeah. the puzzle thing. So I've been trying to. Um, get to your house with some wooden puzzles for your kiddo um, and a little tiny plastic toilet. And um, this keeps happening uh, is that I keep forgetting. And yeah. so people like commonly forget things, but it was today on my way here that I noticed that I have a pattern for it. And that was like, I talked to you about it. This has been happening since January. Like it's here. You come here and you talk to me. about. I come it. here and I talk mm-hmm. to you about the puzzles and the toilet. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Do you want this? Like, yes, I, would, I do. I would love to get this to you. Like, in my soul, I mean it. And then <laughs> and then I go home, and I put it in my car. And then two weeks later, I come to hang out with you, and I don't remember. No. I just completely forget. So no. it stays in the car. It gets very close. It's here. so close. It's, it's so, so close. close. So many right times. outside. And then I go home, and I go, oh, like, I was supposed to. I really wanted to get that to them. And then, um, so I go home from that, and I'm like, well, it's still in my car. That's fine. But then I go on a trip and I have to take it out of the car and That's put it in my house. Night. It's the traveling. That's what gets yeah. us. And then I come back again. So it's six weeks at this point and it's not in my car. And then it happens again. <laughs> oh no, somebody's calling. Oh, my friend. There um, so I keep doing this and I was like, there, there's something to this. And I think... <laughs> Of course, my Enneagram 4 brain is like, I want to analyze the show. I want to know what, what this is means. The what is the meaning? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just started cracking up hysterically um, because I think that the the meaning is like that I'm human. I think it's that you're human. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think it's just that that's what it's like to be human. It's yes. just this process of like being reminded mm-hmm. and forgetting and being yes. reminded and forgetting and coming back to it over and over and Do over again. Do you <laughs> consider yourself neurodivergent or neurotypical? I don't, okay, like, I, this is the space where I'm just like, I don't know if, like, a label would help me. Oh, <gasps> love this. Okay, I, I want to circle back to that. Go on. Oh, I mean, that's the sa- part of the same thing. I'm trying to s- stay in this. <laughs> We usually have a lot more space. We're literally, we're usually like lying on the floor because there's a lot of us. There's a limit. We're both very big people. (laughs) 
Um, I like, so I've thought about this before and I, I, especially the ADHD thing when the Mm -hmm. TikTok was like going nuts about it. Yes. Um, I have several friends who have it and, um, it's just like, it's very common among the people Mm -hmm. that I end up talking with. Yep. So what's interesting to me is like everything that I hear about like being ADHD, I'm just like, that's normal. (laughs) Yes. Like that just sounds normal to me. Like course like that's just how people feel like that's yes um so like my tendency is to think that I do mm-hmm. um, but you just think it is you code it as normal in your brain but yeah but it doesn't seem strange to me no. it's it's just like everyone's yeah. brain operates differently and you learn different ways of coping with yes. that and like I mean for me it's made it really really difficult to like hold a nine-to-five job and like um that's it be performative all the time and like that kind of thing. So that doesn't, that's definitely been a hindrance, but I, in my brain, without the knowledge of like what neurodivergence could mm-hmm. be, I've just mapped it out as it's not meant to tell be your for brain. Me. Yeah. It's how your brain works. Yeah. It's so interesting. I think, um, we've talked a lot in, um, in like basically every friendship circle I have about how it feels like neurodivergence is a function of capitalism. Like basically it just comes down to a person who is neurotypical is someone whose brain is wired to be a very good cog in the machine. And a neurodivergent person is a person whose brain like fights against the nine to five thing, fights against the rules, the structures, the like little niceties that are just like woven into capitalism. Um, I honestly think neurodivergence is a function of capitalism. Like if capitalism went by the wayside, none of us would even like, need to fucking care. Yeah, because, like, the the stuff that, like, like, that we're talking about, like, being, being different or having needs or, like, the, like, even the anxiety around having needs, mm-hmm. like, that comes from being told that it wasn't okay to have yes. needs. Yeah. And, like, which is a part of capital. It's a part of a construct. And, and, like, if you, if it was okay to be you, which it is, like, if, if our culture accepted people to be okay as they are, like... Would we need the labels? Would we need that? And I just, like... <sighs> Like, <laughs> so many thoughts and feelings. <laughs> fuck it all. My body. I just haven't, like, I haven't found um, a use for having a label for it for myself yeah. at this point. That doesn't mean people don't, and that doesn't mean I won't ever. But you know what I mean? But like, it just, like, doesn't feel useful to you. At the moment, no. Um, because mm. Because my, like, my ability to look at people and see where they're coming, where every person is coming from as great and yes. good for them has always served me mm-hmm. and like yeah. I've always people have always said that I have friends that are really annoying or like have been like, able to be friends shit. with annoying people yes. and I'm like I don't really yes. find them, I don't find them annoying at like, all no it's so funny you say <laughs> that I've um one of my like core memories around friendship was in middle school and it was a friend of mine articulating one of that exact same thing to me she was like you have a capacity to love like to see the best in absolutely everyone. And it's like, your mind just disregards the parts of them that are annoying. And I'm like, cause I, I don't think they're annoying. I just think they're humans. And yeah. like, I'm fascinated by humans in general. Yeah. Like I want to see all of the nuances and all of the yeah. pieces and parts. Like I have always been drawn to people who don't fit inside the like boxes that again, I mostly relate back to capitalism. Mm-hmm. Like the, like the feeling of being like, a cog in the machine and having to show up a very specific way in order to be like functional within a society. Yeah. That's all capitalist. Like it's invaded our relationships. Yeah. And I've just always, my brain has always just been like, 
I don't fucking care. Like, <laughs> I don't care about any of that. Yeah, you know what's... It's funny, like, uh, thinking about... <laughs> We're gonna take this back to religion because so, so like with everything like with where we come from like we get um you know there's benefits and there's like things that are harmful mm. and um one one beneficial like tool that i learned within that system because of the way my parents were mm -hmm. was to find the core of something mm. so we hopped around from like different churches we went to like a vineyard church a messianic mm. jewish church like a like non-denominational like really? baptist nazarene like literally like this i love this the spectrum so something that my parents said to us in this process is like you know like there's a lot of differences that people hold but like at the core yeah you know you look at the core tenets of the faith, yes core right? values yep so um that that structure, that that concept of finding the core mm -hmm. was something that I intended to approach people yes. with as well. I've never heard uh -huh. that put into language, but it, I'm exactly the same way. Yeah. Like my my brain gravitates toward like at the end of the day, what are you made out of? Yeah. And if it's basically like kindness, generosity, and love, we're gonna be fine. Like yeah. that's if the core is like something that I can get behind, I don't care how any of it manifests for the most part. Yeah. Um Oh, that's fascinating. Oh, and I like the, the idea of a core. That being said, like, since we're talking about people, I think it's, I think another, this is like a, going in a different direction, but I feel like it's important to note that, like, uh, that it's nice to not have to like people. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Not liking people is one of my favorite discoveries of my late thirties. <laughs> because mm. like the, like good girl mentality yes. has like, um, I don't know what it's like to be socialized as a man. So I don't know what that experience yeah. is like, but like. Being socialized as a woman, you're supposed to like everyone and love everyone mm -hmm. and be nice to everyone. Um, so there's there's like a difference between like seeing the good in someone yeah. and like seeing them as like you know fine and not finding a problem with them. Yeah, and like not yes. liking them. Like the you know there's that's like a different kind of like dynamic. Like I can I can think uh, someone is great and good. Yes, and like think the best of them yes. and like assume the best and believe the best and not like them. And we can also like don't have, have personalities that bounce off of each other funny. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. the thing it has been such an interesting thing to me. Cause like, I don't know if this is a part of your experience growing up in the church or not, but it very much connects back to that way that we were socialized to just be like across the board, very like nice mm -hmm. in this very like milk toast kind of way. Um, that really right grates me. What was that word? Milk toast? What's a milk toast? <laughs> it's like my, my toasts? <laughs> no. Have you ever heard of this? Milk Please. toast. Somebody tell me what I'm milk toast is. I'm going to look up this. Have you never It's just like this. Um, Wait, are a, you saying milk toast or milk toast? toast? Milk toast. Never heard of either. Okay, please hold. <laughs> Milk toast with a Q U E, by the way. Milk toast. Milk. A timid toast. or feeble person. It's just like this very like flaccid niceness that's like doesn't. Really <laughs> Another word, flaccid. That's, like, <laughs> that's a great one to throw in there. Where the fuck did you hear? Like, where was this a childhood thing? Is no, this like a this is like I think thing? it's pretty common. <laughs> Has anyone else here heard of the, heard the phrase milk toast? Um, a soapy milk toast composer. <laughs> yes, it's basically like you know. Okay, and and you know exactly what this is like, because it's like that sensation of somebody that just like kind of doesn't add or subtract anything oh, from the room. Yeah, they're just like there. Yeah, forgettable. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
we were taught to be that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like yeah, we yeah. were taught to be yeah. so forgettable because like yeah. the the downside of like being someone who's not forgettable is that you could be unforgettable in a real shitty way. Mm-hmm. And especially in the church, there were a million ways to do that. Yeah. Like, there better were so to many. Be forgettable. Better to be forgettable. Better better to be very like quiet and calm and nice and like milk toast. There you go. <laughs> That's funny. No, why is I'm, it spelled like that? I don't know. Milk? Like. I don't know. Um, I was thinking <laughs> that that was the case, but but yeah, it's Q U E. Yeah, it just made it fancier. <laughs> we just went off on a whole rabbit trail. Welcome. This is what we do. Um, but yeah, like I think there's just like we were trained to be that mm-hmm. to such a degree that like honestly, it's it's honestly been my late thirties that I have started to like feel in my body what it feels like when I really fucking like a person Mm. like when I really like being around them and I want to share my space and I want to share my energy because like I think what I fell into for a long time is if there wasn't anything about a person that was like overtly problematic or like yeah if our value oh that's what it was if our values (laughs) aligned if we both love Jesus Oh yeah, the then whole, we had like, to like each other. That's there was like that is the only thing that's necessary. Um, and I've like I've had to do a lot of reflecting on some of my past relationships and some of the ways that I showed up performatively mm. without knowing it. Like I've had to find some deep roots of grace for myself because mm. um, there have been a lot of relationships in my past that I'm like, oh, <laughs> like pieces of this weren't actually genuine enjoyment of you as a person. And that sucks. That feels gross. Mm. But like, that's what we were trained in many ways to be was like, if we both love Jesus, then clearly we would like one another. Yeah. Cause you no. love Jesus and each other. Yeah. I so just, I, re- I recognize this, <sighs> I think in, in my early twenties, actually, Ooh, um, because I, I had a friend who like, <laughs> I, I, and like, I say this because like the person that I was with, I was like very much into Mm -hmm. like no matter what. And I, I, she was like dating this guy who was like, she was telling me that he was like everything. He really loved Jesus. They connected on like this, you know, it was just like he, he made the list and she was just like, she was like, but it feels like really uncomfortable. And like, he like, he's like sings to me and it's weird. And like, Oh no, baby. I, I remember like giving her the advice and bless my previous self for giving her this advice, but I was like, babe, if you don't, like, if you can't imagine yourself liking him without Jesus, then I don't think you should be with this guy. Literally. If that's <laughs> the only glue. Jesus out of the equation. If that's the only glue, do not do it. Do not do it. Yeah, that's such a, like, I think, I think back on that all the time about how, like, that narrative in many ways made us paint rose colored lenses or like paint people with rose colored lenses. Cause I remember having those conversations with like, especially girls, um, like that were like into some guy at SBU or like at my high school or any of the things. And I remember like hearing them talk about this guy as though he was like, just the most magnificent creature that God had ever created. And I'm like, he is the human equivalent of a Honda. Like, he's fine. <laughs> Good gas mileage. He's, like, I guess I'll get you from A to B. Like, it's, it's a practical choice, but Connor is not that great. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry, Chad. This is... 
<laughs> like it's like trained us to just like mm. disregard actual human like connection and chemistry. So you think that's necessary to keep capitalism and patriarchy 100% going? One hundred percent it to is. To teach yes, women yeah. to look at the like average or lowest form of mediocrity as as extraordinary (laughs) yeah Yeah, mediocrity is extraordinary yeah Yeah, that's such a like I think that all the time like if I had had the standards for like how I want to feel around people because that's really what it comes down to is like at this point in my life I'm just so clear about how I want to feel with people and how I want to like like our connection to flow Mm. um and I think all the time like if I had always had that connection like always had that knowing um it would have changed the way i treated relationships entirely that would not have in any way been in service of patriarchy at all yeah at all yeah it's a function it's a function of capitalism it's a function of patriarchy yeah you know it's interesting like i i don't think so because we're also socialized to like um to blame everything on ourselves so, like, that's an aspect of that, too, because then if there's, like, a problem in the relationship or you feel uncomfortable or you feel bad, mm-hmm. you actually can't tell. Like, if, yes. you, if your mind or, like, self-worth aren't in a healthy place, you can't tell mm-hmm. when it's someone else or when it's you. You yes. just feel yes. it and assume that it's you. Mm-hmm. So, it's, like, only been within the past few years that I've been, like, around people and been, like, yeah. oh, that's you. That's you. That's a you that's problem. That's not me. That's like, because I know my energy well enough by myself and yes. on my own. And I'm yes. aware of it that it's, like, Ooh. fine. I'm and like, it oh, yeah, that's sucks that it took us this long to get there. I've had to, like, yeah. I, rely, I relied for a long time, probably about a year after I started working with my therapist on her for that. Because I had mm. some, like, relationship stuff that I was navigating. Um, and I remember, like, the first time that she, Amanda just looked at me and she was like, you are so accustomed to doing all of the emotional labor, like to doing, to being the sole person doing the emotional labor inside your relationships, that it doesn't actually even occur to you that sometimes a problem within your relationship isn't reflective of you. It's Mm -hmm. reflective of the fact that the other person is not bringing anything worth having to the table. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being like, my therapist is, is an Aries, so she gets very heated. There have been a number of times when I've, I've, like, explained a scenario, and she looks at me, and she's like, you know that's really fucked up, right? And I'm like, do you want me? I don't, but thank you for telling me. Like, I'm starting to learn now. But, yeah, yeah that, that dynamic of, like, the lack of self-trust, because that's what it goes back to, like, mm-hmm. the scripture that talks about, like, not leaning into your own understanding, the heart is fundamentally trustworthy, who can know it, and all of these things. It's like, fundamentally trustworthy, which tells me that your heart's in a much better place, but it's deceitfully wicked, who can know it. <laughs> oh, it's such a mess. Like, it's what set a, up... What a thing to teach someone from... Yes, from, from like, birth. birth. From birth. Yeah. Yep, separation of, like, separation of your body. From my body, from my intuition, which is gutting to me at this point because my intuition is, like, it's, like, the sharpest Mm. and most accurate part of me. My gut is never wrong. (laughs) And I've had to do a lot of work to, like, tell the difference between my the voice of my gut and the voice of my trauma because those two things can actually sound really similar. Mm. Like, my gut, she's never wrong. Yeah. That bitch is never wrong. And the the like effort to separate me from my knowing started when I was born. Yeah. It's such a like, that's like a grief thing. I've had to do a lot of processing around like how much in my life would have looked different 
if no one had ever told me that I couldn't trust myself. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't Hello loves, it's me, Christina. I wanted to interrupt this episode to talk to you briefly about my one-on-one rebuilding coaching series. This 12-week series is designed to transform the way you show up in your life, to help you discover your next step and support you to move confidently into it. We work on inner critic, dialogue, confidence, and trusting yourself to make decisions. I like to look at life as a series of endings and beginnings. There's so many of those in our lives, and I think this space is where the greatest transformation takes place. And whether you've already gone through a change or feeling like there's a change around the corner or just really feel like something is missing, these spaces are great for asking, what do I want now and what is possible for me now? If you're really longing to live freely and trust yourself to move through life with confidence, this series is for you. My clients call this series transformative, empowering, and inspiring, and they often report after the series they feel confidence to say no, trust their worth, in touch with their bodies, and in tune with their instincts. This is a powerful container and can have huge long-term impacts on your life and well-being. You can learn more by visiting my website at www.christinamcarlson.com, also listed in the show notes, um, and that's where you can learn more about working with me. Thanks for your time. Now back to the show. Beautiful. Um, I just had a, like a question that, hmm. and it was like a big circle back. Oh, I know what it was. Do you have further thoughts on this or do you feel complete in the conversation we were just having? I'm good. There's a big circle back. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, labels. You said something really interesting. And it's a, something I've been thinking about um, a lot recently about how like, the entire concept of having a label for your neurodivergence is just like not useful. Do you find that applying in other categories of your life? Like as it relates to queerness, as it relates to Mm -hmm. like any and all of the ways that we might label ourselves, do you find yourself like detaching from labels as you go further in your journey? Or is it just that one category where it's like, fuck this because it's not actually helping me? Um, such a good question. I actually like, um, I like labels as long as they stay fluid. Like, mm. like I call myself Ooh. queer yes, and bisexual and mm. pansexual because to me those all feel the same. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, like, I'm not a very, like, strictly attached to one. I mm-hmm. feel like I'm non-binary and a woman. Yes. And I'm good with both of those mm-hmm. um, as long as they're allowed to be, like, fluid. Flexible and fluid. Yeah. And those can be true at the same time in different increments yeah but to to me they feel like powerful Mm -hmm. and like i just think like like with talking about like capitalism the like the structure of someone with a neurodivergent mind or like putting that in an other category feels like you said like fuck the system yeah like people are just operating different and you say that it's a problem because it doesn't work with what you set up for us yeah you know Whereas first for me, like sexuality and gender identity is more of like an expression mm-hmm. of like, this is how it works. Yes. I, d- I don't think that, and maybe this is my own like, um, stigmas, but like, I don't, I don't think that, um, labeling something ADHD or neurodivergent mm-hmm. is quite in that space. Mm-hmm. You know? Cause it's like it's another piece of human, like it's literally just part of the human experience. Yeah. It's like we're trying to put a capitalist label on a part of the human experience. Which I mean, so is, so are the labels around sexuality. Yeah. So, so I'm like, I don't know if that, that could just be my own like 
maybe there's some yeah. things that I'm not like settled with mm-hmm. in this as well. But like, yeah, I don't know. As long as as long as the like labels are like able to like be changed. Yes. And like I said, I don't identify like I don't call myself neurodivergent now. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that I'm not, and that doesn't yeah. mean that I won't. It's just I just like haven't invested my time there, and I don't yeah. I don't know that I will. I don't think I have an interesting thought, and I feel like this is gonna th- gonna be a thing that might resonate with you too. Um, the reason I love the word queer so much is because I don't just think of my queerness in terms of my sexual orientation. I think of my queerness as all encompassing. Yeah. Including neurodivergence. Hmm. Like the parts of my brain that are so specific to me that don't fit within the capitalist structure. Um, we, I've never sought out, I'm like you, I've never sought out a diagnosis. Um, I have a lot of, I identify strongly with some of the lived experiences of both ADHD and autistic humans. Um, but I've never sought out an, a diagnosis because I've kind of in that same space of like, I don't really feel the need to. Mm. And in ways what I'm finding is I actually just look at the very unique specific way that my brain operates as a part of my queerness. Yeah. 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 Okay. Like, yeah. Cause I, I'm like, it's queer. Like it's, it's queer. Di- it's different. It's like, That's it's, how I look at it. Exactly. That's it's not like queer as in sex. It's queer as in odd as fuck. It's different. It's specific. Yeah. Like it's so specific. Yeah. And so like, like unique to the individual yes. is kind of how I see queer. I think that's what's happening for me in terms of labels right now is like all of the labels that I previously would have assigned to myself, honestly, can be the kingdom come down to like, I'm just Audra. Like literally, I'm I'm just who I am. Like I just love who I love how I love them for the reasons that I love them. And my brain operates the way that it does for the reasons that it does. And like, all of these things, even so far as um, like my relationship structure, there's a lot, um, there's a lot of debate within non-monogamous, non-monogamous communities on whether, like, polyamory and non-monogamy fit within the queer community, because there is a, like, there's, like, a Venn diagram, and, like, some of, a lot of our lived experiences, and, like, the stigma associated with it, there's a lot of overlap, um, but, like, it's interesting, I find myself, I can always tell when a label is too small because I end up like intellectually bumping into it a lot and being like, Oh, something about that feels wrong. Mm. I'm doing that with polyamory right now. I don't Mm. think I identify as polyamorous anymore because something about it feels too restrictive. Mm. Like something about it feels too like, like it has these associations that are kind of automatically assigned to it. Um, that don't have anything to do with my experience of the way that I love humans. Um, Okay. <laughs> we have to. I feel like we have to talk about labels in general because oh, say more. Oh no, it's like time to close Instagram. I think we're still here though. Yes. Um. <laughs> okay. What, what is Christmas? Oh, Molly. Kisses. Molly. Ah! Love you so much. <laughs> um. Labels though, okay? Because so the interesting thing about labels is there's there's benefits right mm-hmm. yeah you, you feel like you can identify with a group of people mm-hmm. there's there's belonging found in that you can explain yourself to people even if in a generalized way you can yes. give them a frame of reference you can give them a frame of reference it it helps people calm down it gives people safety um whether people mm-hmm. meeting you or you them the the negative thing it does and if 
if a person is like, so if, if there's, if there's too much distance, what a label does is create assumptions. Yes. So, yes. so mm-hmm. like, why would you need to know if I'm a man or a woman? Like, if you don't really know me, like, so that you can assume things about me. So, <laughs> so, so there's wow. that, there's that. Mm-hmm. And there's also like, but I do, yeah. you know? And so, and so there are aspects of that, that yes. it's like for a quick explanation, yes. I'm non-binary or like, you know, yeah. like there, there's like this space of like, oh, I can like understand that you mm-hmm. are a person who's obsessed with dogs or whatever. Yeah. Like, and you probably, you know, like watch the dog channel or I'm sorry, I don't know what a dog, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> you probably watch dogs, <laughs> right? <laughs> I've I've not a dog since you I was like five. Watch the dog. Well, I've also never owned a TV, so <laughs> so much is unfolding here. Go on, <laughs> go on. But like there, there's like there's helpful patterns yes. where it's just like oh, like you tell me you're queer, and I'm like oh, so you probably have have done a yes. lot of self reflection, and you probably are a person yep. who's thought about your sexuality in your life, mm-hmm. right? Those are safe assumptions. Yes. But if there's too much distance between the person who's hearing about the label and yes. the person who's identifying with the label, there's Ooh. just these assumptions outside yes. putting on. So, like, the problem isn't within, like, connecting with someone. No. The problem is in, within communities where there's too much distance. Too much distance. So, oh, if I like you're that. not actually in relationship yes. and you're using, like, labels to define other yes. people by, it creates assumptions. Uh-huh. Whereas if you're actually getting getting to know someone, yes. it's a different story. Entirely. Well, because, like, it's interesting, and I think that's one of the reasons that I've had such a hard time with like the concept of identifying as polyamorous because the people who know me know that what that, they know exactly what that means for me, mm-hmm. but like the larger cultural idea of it lends itself to like some pretty big assumptions. And so like, mm-hmm. even on dating apps, like I've yeah. like communicated with a lot of people who are like, when I say that I'm polyamorous, they assume that I'm looking for like a closed triad Hmm. Fuck that. Absolutely the fuck <laughs> like, not. That's I not what I mean. Not be doing that. Um, or they assume that I'm like looking for multiple, like very monogamy, cozy romantic relationships. Basically like monogamy, but with an like more than one person. Fuck that. I don't want that either. Like hmm. like and so it started to f- started to feel more constrictive Again, than it is like descriptive. Exactly. Yeah. Because like the people who know me know that for me, basically like polyamory just means many loves. Mm-hmm. It means that there are a dick ton of people in, in my life that I love in very big and expansive and specific ways. And sometimes yeah. they include romance and, and like sexual dynamics and all the things. So when, when this happens, when you are experiencing and bumping up against this, our yeah. tendency is then to look for another label. Yes. Which, or invent one. Yes. Which relationship anarchy is now like the label that is encompassing a greater experience, right? I know. But it is, it is still a label. It's still a label. So, and so I'm just going to outgrow it. Yeah. I'm just going to outgrow it. Like it's going to, because you're going to be too specific. You're going to be Audra. So uh, you know me so well. You know my brain so well. Actual label is going that's, to be Audra. That's exactly it. Like, and I think that's one of the reasons I'm moving more and more toward purely identifying as queer because mm-hmm. I am literally queer on every spectrum. Like, I am queer in the actual, like, individual humans that I love, my sexual orientation. I am queer in, like, the ways, like, the social and, like, relationship structure-related ways Mm. um, that I approach relationships. I am queer in my brain and, like, neurodivergence slash neurotypicality. 
Mm-hmm. Is that a word? It's probably not a word. I think I, like I just it. make that up. Like We're it. just going to make We're it going a word. We're going to be making up We're going to make so. words today. Um, yeah, I'm just like, in every category of my life, I'm so specific because I'm just me. Okay, like, okay. Yes. I'm just me. Yeah. That's it. Which makes sense. Okay. But I think the reason this has become such a big thing, mm-hmm. having labels, is because we now have access to the world. Yes. Right. So with, with the yeah. internet and global connection, we are trying to yes. find labels so that we can know everybody. We mm-hmm. want to label ourselves so that people can see us on yes. a grander scale. Yep. It's, be, it's about being seen. But that's yeah. not intimacy. That's not intimacy. So we crave the, we crave like this like specific label to be like, so you can understand me. Mm-hmm. Here are my labels. Yeah. But it doesn't actually fit. Lead to understanding. Yeah, it doesn't lead to the understanding no. because there's always going to be assumptions that people are looking at yes. you from their own lens. I have thought in they actually so, know you. It's exactly like there there's like a difference between knowing someone's labels and knowing that person. Yeah. And I think what we're after is to be known for who we are. Yeah. One of the things I think all the time um about like re- about Gen Z. I think a lot about Gen Z. Is that lower or older? Uh lower. They're younger. Okay. Um I think a lot about Gen Z and how, like, I think they're so fucking badass. I love Gen Z because they're fearless and they're, like, trailblazers and their minds are so expansive. And I'm constantly thinking because I deeply believe in the value of intergenerational, like, wisdom sharing. And, like, Mm. but I think all the time because Gen Z is so progressive, it can be really easy for me to be like what do we even have to offer them (laughs) like because they're already like they're living in this world that we dreamed of when we were kids um and they like have these expansive minds that we've worked until our 30s to create but I think one of the things that I commonly think or one of the things that I commonly think when I'm like imagining my relationship to Gen Z one of the things I want to be able to pass on to them because Gen Z one of the things I think I see is this deep desire to be seen, known, honored, and witnessed in every single like facet of their identity mm-hmm. by everyone universally. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's funny because I like went through that stage. Like I went through that stage where I was like, I am bisexual and I am ex-evangelical and I am like all of these things. Mm-hmm. And like if anyone approached me in a way that like indicated that they didn't understand or like grasp or agree with some part of my identity it felt like a personal affront. Like it felt like, Mm. Oh God, they're attacking me. And the more I have released labels, (laughs) the more I have released, like the need for other people besides the people who know me, who have intimacy with me. Mm. If a random person walking down the street doesn't look at me and automatically identify me as queer. First of all, what the fuck are you thinking? (laughs) And second, like, (laughs) It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Cause you know, who knows I'm queer, the people who love me and you know, who like champions my ongoing expansion and my ongoing understanding of myself, the people who love me. Mm-hmm. And so like one of the things that I want to like, one of the pieces of like wisdom and grounding and perspective <laughs> that I want to be able to offer to Gen Z is like, know yourself deeply, like explore yourself, like, go after your identity, like pick yourself apart, do all the things. That's, that's beautiful. Like I, the work of self-exploration is literally what I want to build my life on. Um, but also like 
you are so impossibly specific as a human being. Mm -hmm. Gather yourself a little collective of humans who know all of those nuances and fuck off with the rest of them. Like, Mm -hmm. and I understand, like I want so deeply to create a world where like that is actually safe because I think there, there does cross a line into like, particularly for like people in black bodies, people in trans bodies, there is actual legitimate unsafety, like physical unsafety for them when people don't understand their identity or when people don't, embrace their identity um so i do i do understand like those pieces of things like making things a safer world for people of all like labels and identities but as a whole (laughs) yeah what i hear you saying though is that like the the like sense of being known and valued is is has to come from a like a small core like because you can't intimately know a bajillion people no you just can't you just can't like there's like bajillion is a scientific number it is how many people are on data data backed number um yeah, like, there's just such an element of, like, I, I want to, like, if, if I could tell my past self things, yeah. like, my uncle that I have, that I, like, see twice a year at family gatherings, does not understand in any way, shape, or form what being genderqueer means to me. That's fine. And I don't care. <laughs> like, I just don't care. Yeah, so... so like, there's, like, a level of apathy, like identity-based apathy that I have embraced at this point, and I'm like, oh, I sleep way better at night with that on my back. It's also about responsibility. Who's here? Brad Life Coach. Hey, Hi! Um, it's it's about responsibility. Yes. Because, because it is your responsibility to show up as you um, when it's safe to do so. Yeah. And it is not your responsibility to make people understand you. In no. fact, you can't. Don't you waste can't your precious life don't on that. Don't waste your fucking energy. Not for energy. people who don't fucking matter. Like, no. And, I, and I, I know that also comes with the responsibility is, like, for me, as an elder queer, I guess we're elder queers. I don't know what we are. Uh, <laughs> but, like, continuously busting our asses to make I a safer a world. For <laughs> Elder person. My favorite label. Elder I need to send you this TikTok um, because there's a woman on TikTok who refers to herself as an elder hoe. And I... Elder hoe. I'm so delighted by her. Um, God, I, yeah, I'll send you that. Anyway, <laughs> complete rabbit trail. But yeah, like there's, there's also like that element of my job as an elder queer is to like be visible, to be as visible as it is safe for me to be mm-hmm. and to like work within the systems that exist to try to create a safer world for Gen Z to just be who they are and not have to worry if they're going to be able to like stay alive. Cause I know that's an actual like concern. Mm. I just, I just want queer babies to spend so much less of their precious, beautiful energy trying to convince uncle Gary. Fucking uncle to like see them. (laughs) Sure. Like find the people who see you and like, let them see you all the way down. And just yeah. this for the rest of them. So, Ugh. so here's a question, and I like I know it's gonna like cut it's us gonna off cut us off at an point. hour. Damn um, it! But so it's probably just gonna end, y'all. Just so you know, because um, we will forget. Because we'll forget. But okay, so like, there's conversations that I've started hearing people in the queer community and in the coaching community and mm. the therapist community. Uh, this conversation is starting around like basically creating community. So mm. we have we have a whole country mm-hmm. full of systems that are built on oppression. Yes. 
And there are people who are working within those systems, lawyers, mm-hmm. bless them. Um, like, there's people working within that system. But I also know a lot of people who are just like, I'm going to build other systems. We're going to build other systems. Yeah. So there, there's, like, um, there's small ways that people do this through, like, yeah. direct primary care or building mm-hmm. their own, like, network of community for support, like, mm-hmm. healthcare, et cetera. Like, yeah. things like that. They're basically just, like, I literally just ran out of the burning building. I don't yes. want to stay in this I don't want to be a part of this. I'm tired of trying to uh-huh. put out this fucking fire. Yes. I'm going to make something else. Yep. So I'm just, like, I don't... When I think about, like... Building support and creating like communities mm-hmm. that are safe mm-hmm. for queer folks. It's like, is <sighs> is it possible to create a different system? Because this one is obviously fucked, yeah. and it just goes back and forth every other year as far as progress, mm-hmm. and mostly back, and yeah. and that's not even the majority opinion of the U.S. Yes. Like so, yeah. like you know, and like I feel like politics are just really relevant because it's social yes <laughs> yeah social like it dynamic. impacts our lives whether we want it to or not yeah and if it doesn't impact your life then you need to really care because yes because yeah it's your responsibility the less it impacts our life the more we have the more work we have to do within the system yeah so i make it safer for people who are more yeah, or make a different system and I'm just, like, I'm real curious about, like, those communities and networks of people yeah. that are stepping outside of this and saying, like, mm-hmm. well, you're not providing health care, so we're going to do something different. You're yeah. not providing this, so we're going to find yeah. another way. You're not doing this, so we're finding, basically, like, humans humaning yes. together. I yep. mean, like, there's no safety network for us, even though you yes. said that you'd create a safety network for so us. So our safety our is money. within our connections. Yeah. Our safety, our, sa- our safety at this point is within our social like yeah worlds yep. yeah yeah i'm so curious i actually like spent a ton of time this weekend thinking about that exact thing so my um i was at my parents place my parents have um property in southeast missouri and they um in order to like bypass inheritance taxes they just like sold their land to me and my siblings um in the advance inheritance taxes yeah so like if you inherit shit from your family you get taxed for it so they sold you all their land? Yeah. You own land in Southeast Missouri? I do. Yeah. My siblings <laughs> and I... something oh, there. Listen, <laughs> this is what I spent all weekend thinking about. Um, and it's so interesting because, like, my relationship to my hometown and my family has been in such a, a period of, like, transition and healing for such a long time that I have not even thought about using that property because for a long time it hurt to, like, go back. Because yeah. um, they were just how like... How long have you owned this? Um... Five years? Yeah. bizarre. Own property in Southeast Missouri. Um, Just didn't know that. It's gorgeous. Yeah, and it's beautiful. And, like, this was the first weekend that I went back and I was like, oh, I think I've, like, genuinely healed from some shit. Like, I, I felt, like, this deep sense of, like, connection to the land and camaraderie with my family around, like, how much they love that property and how much, like, Mm. joy they take in being able to pass that along to my siblings and I. Um, but I like spent so much time with the land this weekend, literally just like sitting on the grass and being like, okay, I've got something to take back from here. I don't know what it is, but like, I gotta, I got something to take back. But one of the things that like kept coming up is that like, I believe in a world where we share our resources. I believe in a world where we like utilize our gifts for the good of a collective Mm 
-hmm. And I think the collective is actually a lot fucking smaller than the United States of America. Like, Mm -hmm. I think about that all the time, how, like, the systems in power are genuinely only designed to support a very few people at the very top. Mm -hmm. So, like, what does it look like? Like, I'm sitting here on this property and I'm like, okay, what does it look like to use this property in service of a vision that prioritizes village, that prioritizes each person, like, bringing their very best to the table, like, their gifts? Mm. Oh, who was it? I want to say it was Elizabeth Yalto wrote this gorgeous piece. Um, It was earlier, like, sometime late last week, I want to say. So it's been recently. I'll send it to you. Um, But she wrote this gorgeous piece that I read on Instagram And one of the things she talked about was how um, the mentality of, like, needing to do all of the things and be good at every single part of, like, running a home or, like, all of the things is that's not village mindset. (laughs) Like, she was talking about village mindset and how, like, the entire idea of a village mindset is each person gets to bring what they're absolutely fucking best at. Hmm. Um, And I've been sitting with that ever since because I'm like, oh. What do I want to bring to the village? Because I'm like, I'm not the person who's going to be like in the kitchen cooking. Fuck that. I'm not the person who's going to take care of all the kids. No, thank you. Um, I like, I'm not particularly given to all these like kind of stereotypical, you like, mean, like domestic your, your woman. Oh my ones. God. Like all the shit they want me to do. <laughs> I'm like, fuck that. No, thank you. But what I'm very, very good at is being the visionary and like, the trajectory setter for a community. Um, I am the person who can like look at the reality of where we are and dream very, very, very big to something different mm. and like set the, tra- the trajectory for that. Um, the, I have a friend who you just named what you're going to bring. Yes. To like I, I have a friend who calls it like, I'm the like wilderness Oracle. Like if we're in the middle of like a wilderness land and nobody knows what to do, like I am the person to talk to because I have made my way out of the wilderness how many fucking times. (laughs) Um, But like I was sitting there thinking, I was like, God, what would it feel like to live in a life like where that primary gift was just like what I brought to the community? And like, what if it is? What if it is? And like, from that perspective, like, I would encourage, like, I want to encourage literally every person I know to be like, what is the gift you want to bring to the village? What is the gift you want to bring to the community? And what if you start orienting toward that? Like, I just sat on the property this weekend and was like, what does it look like to to build a community of radical care, radical support, radical sharing, where every person gets to bring the best of themselves? And we're not all depleted all the time. Because we're not trying to do all the shit we're bad at. <laughs> like, there's something to be said for feeling really terrible to be doing all kinds of shit. Yes, we're bad at, yes. You know? God, like so much of I think so much of our culture like relies on us just like muscling through doing shit we're terrible at. We're not actually built for it. Yeah. What if we didn't have to do it that way? Yeah. I mean, I don't think we do. I don't think we do either. Yeah. But we just have to like build the system, like build the the village. Yeah, I mean, I'm there with you. I'm I'm not the person who's gonna be doing the doing. I I listen to people. Yes, I hold yeah. space for people. Like I think you and I are the people. Like 
sitting out on the path. I was thinking about this. My, uh, my father-in-law's um, memorial service was a couple weeks ago. And like, <laughs> I remember after the service, we all came back and we were all eating and like all of the women were in the kitchen doing all the things and making all the preparation preparations. And I was like, I'm gonna go sit my ass on the porch with some weed <laughs> is what I'm going to do. If anybody needs me, you know where I am. And the people in that family who know me knew exactly what I meant by that. They knew that like, if they needed a space to sit and cry and talk and grieve. I'm right here. Otter is going to be smoking weed on the patio, crying and grieving anyway. Go so it. like, <laughs> yeah, come do it with me. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Like I can hold space for whatever you've got. And like, we weren't taught that those are, that was a gift that those were gifts. And that's your gift too, is the gift of holding space, the gift of like, facilitating things like grief and exploration and embodiment and like what it means to be fully human Mm -hmm. inside a system that is determined to like cut us off from our humanity. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. What if we build a world where we just get to fucking do that? It's kind of what we're doing right now. Yeah. But like, I think it's just like going to get bigger as we go. Like there's a snowball effect. Yeah. Cause that, that's so necessary. Yeah. And I think, like, more now than ever, thank you for Gen Z is realizing and talking Mm -hmm. about how important mental health is. Yes. And mental health is not just therapy. It's not just just medicine. It's community. It's people who can hear you and mirror your goodness back to you. It's support of all kinds. It's one of the reasons I believe so deeply in... Like, I've thought many times about going back to school and being a therapist because I'm very well set up to do that. It would not be, like, a big ask of my brain. It's very in line with, like, how I exist. But also there's this part of me that's, like, I'm not here for that. I'm here for the in-between. Like, because you go to therapy at most once a week. Mm -hmm. And, like, who's sitting with you in the in-between spaces while you're like actually doing the work in your everyday life. And like, mm-hmm. you need someone to talk to about the things that you're processing. I'm not a therapist, but like, that's not the only way to support people's mental health. It's, it's not the not. only thing that's necessary. No. And like, I think I see both of us like coming into that aspect of our gifting. So just being like, Nope, not a therapist, but how can I support you? Because mental health isn't just that. Right. That's community, too. That's a capitalistic view of mental health. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) On that note, we should probably end before this cuts us off. Yeah, we should. I don't know when it'll happen. Hi, friends. Hi, Kayla. (sighs) I'm going to figure out how to end this. (laughs) I never do it right. End now. End now. And then... Yay! Yay! I can probably end this too. (laughs) Thank you all for joining me today. If you are wanting one-on-one support to help you step into trusting yourself, seeing your own magic, and building the life that you want, you can contact me on my website. The website is below in the show notes. I hope you all have a bitchin' day.